Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Forever a magic legend, number 32, This is Dirt and Sprague. 37 seconds to play. Suns up by one. Booker fires. Yes! The man is a cheat code. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. Finds confidence. It backs up to get it, sets his feet between the wickets. Left to right, then right to left euro for the bank. And then the post. Dirt and Sprague on 1080, The Fan. All right, 602 in the Rose City. Time for Dirt and Sprague on Portland's Sports Leader 1080, The Fan. Happy Hump Day, Swigard. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, you little cutie. Ah, I got nothing but love for you this morning, man. Where's my Valentine? I'll bring something back from L.A. Where's my little Scooby Doo car that says, "I love you, Shaggy." <laughs> How high was Shaggy to hear that dog talking? <laughs> I feel like Snoopy or uh, Scooby was always leading the others to the area they needed to go in, like, you know, comedic ways. Only one really understood that dog talking, and that was Shaggy. <laughs> That's right. And we know Shaggy was high as a kite the entire show. What do you show. think it was? Was it just a good bowl, or was he finding some shrooms out there in the magic mystery machine or I, whatever the hell that thing was? I honestly, to get a dog talking, I think it was acid. <laughs> Given the time period as well, I think... Well, was late 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Shaggy was dropping acid in the back of that van. Nobody's paying attention. And then dog just looks at him. I'm like, oh my God, the dog's talking to me now. Yeah. Let's go solve some crime. There we go. 
Uh, happy Valentine's Day happy to everybody Valentine's out there. Happy Valentine's Day. You got any, uh, well, you, you told me before the show you did your date yesterday. Yeah, so I'm leaving. Uh, we're flying to L.A., a little uh, road trip here. Uh, San Diego, or flying to San Diego first. San Diego and uh, Pepperdine this week. Yeah. So, but fortunately, she didn't have rehearsal last night. So I was like, okay, I'm taking you to dinner. Let's just, early dinner. Yep. Got over there. How old of you, by the way? Early dinner. Well, What's five, early dinner? 5.15. Okay, that's not bad. That's reasonable dinner to me. When yeah. you say early, I'm thinking like 4.15? No, no, no. Okay. My, see, my family growing up traditionally late eight or eight late. Like my my mom, like 7.30 is usually when they have dinner. Oh, wow. 7.30 dinner is yeah. really late. Well, five o'clock is cocktail hour and poo-poos. Oh, I mean, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're one of those families. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I look, hey, all the power to you. I had some dinners at 7, 7.30, depending on sports practices and whatnot. Well, yeah, when you're coming and going, you would, but when we were in high school, we ate like five meals. So well, you eat at like 3 o'clock, a ginormous meal before practices and stuff, and then oh yeah, it, about 10 o'clock after you got done with practice or games and you did some homework and you're just starving oh, and yeah. whatever was available got devoured. I was telling this to my my oldest a couple weeks ago because she gets home at uh at middle school schedules are weird now. She gets home sometimes around 4:35ish, which I'm always trying to get dinner at 5:30ish is my goal yeah. since I'm such a early to bed guy. Well, I understand that. And um, I was telling my oldest, because she was snacking, and I was like, man, we used to eat so much food when we got home. And, and I don't mean, like, all of the food. I mean, like, we would get a can of Chef Boyardee. <laughs> we would eat that. We would, if my mom got one of those uh, knockoff, like, honey buns or nutty bars okay. or whatever, we'd yeah. eat one of those. We'd probably pour a bowl of cereal. Like, we would legitimately eat probably over a 1,000 calories as just our post-school snack. Oh, yeah. And then my mom like, all right, we're going to have dinner. And I, w- I would eat it, no problem. I'd, I'd be like hungry. Oh, I could eat. I would fix, if I was start. I'd like fix like a, cra- a whole box of Kraft macaroni and cheese. And yeah. And just eat it right out of the pan. Same thing. There I did go. the same thing. Yeah, the, the, the blue box, a little powder. Oh, yeah, just right out of the pan. And then 5.30, 6 o'clock, I'm like, hey, what, what's for dinner? Then, then I got some protein. Then what are we doing? We got tacos or burritos going on. We got some. Uh... Oh, dude, the worst nights for me. My, my mom kind of kept it within the same like eight Oh, see, things. it was my dad because he was teaching school, so he was home first. There you go. And so early, yeah, dad had like the rotation. Yeah. And. There's usually what? A, two a, of them were good. Yep. Uh, two of them were, uh, okay. Yep. And there was one that when he said made it like everybody groaned, which one was it? Uh, it was his knockoff beef stroganoff. Oh God. It was awful Yeah, because it was, so there was this, so before Costco, this will date anybody that lived in the area. Okay. So before there was Costco or Sam's club or all that stuff. There was a place over in Tigard called the Prairie Market. The Prairie Market? Yeah. I've never even heard of the Prairie Market. So uh, anybody out there, text in if you remember the Prairie Are Market. Are you of the Prairie Market yeah. era here in and Portland? so <laughs> you would get, like, they had the big flatbeds, like those metal flatbed things, like you, if you're, like, rolling through. So my little brother and I, we'd love to sit on it. Sure. Um, you got a little black grease marker. To go through because you had to put the price on all the things as you were going through and marking it. 
and then they and it was you know just kind of open cases there wasn't much you know dressing up stuff it was just a big warehouse with all sorts of food so he gets these tiny cans of mushroom stems and parts and oil he gets the fake sour cream that emo stuff imo or whatever why did he get the fake sour i don't i don't know was he a vegan Uh, no i think it was just cheaper i i have no idea okay um, so he'd get that and then egg noodles and hamburger and it all got whipped up. And every time that, that's what drove me to like learn how to cook. Did was, you guys, you guys voice this opinion to him? Like, Hey, uh, yes, there was, there was care. an audible groan and a, uh, demonstrative eye roll from everybody. Yeah. Like my mom wasn't even down with it. She's like, Ugh. I'm surprised it didn't, it didn't get scratched off the old dinner list for him. Uh, well, he always said, that's what I'm making. If you want something else, go you ahead. And I was like nine or 10. I was like, <laughs> damn it. I'm not eating this tonight. What do I learn how to make the crap macaroni and cheese? And my, uh, my cooking career was off and running. The worst was my mom, like once in a blue moon, she didn't do it often. Maybe three times that I can remember. My mom would do ham, hock and beans. Oh, he also made the split pea soup, and I thought it was oh, the most disgusting thing ever. Yeah, yeah so the did, ham hock yeah. and the and yeah. the lentils and the yes. oh the split peas. Oh, it's disgusting, and it's the worst color of green. Oh, and it's it, not no, good. No, it, yeah. Not having any of that. Same, same. My mom did that, and I'm like, "What? You don't need to bring your youth to my youth. Get this out of here. No. I know this was your poor rotation. We're poor now. We don't need it in our rotation." <laughs> but uh, the other one for me, she used to trick me. I I've never, for whatever reason. And I would say it's largely because I wasn't eating it on a regular basis. I don't like fish. I don't like things in water. It's not my jam. Mm. Spare me that. No, you've never had my salmon. I've had everybody's salmon. It all tastes like I salmon. I had a tasty piece of uh, steelhead last night. I, it was great with a little bacon parmesan. Hey, I'm telling you as somebody yeah. married to a Vietnamese woman with a family that loves seafood. They just put the whole fish in the bowl. It's yeah, they do. At you. Yes, they do. They also eat the whole crab. I wish I liked it. It looks amazing. I just, my taste buds, for whatever reason, she used to trick us mm. and say, oh, I'm making hamburger helper. And in my mind, that used to be the cheeseburger one, the, the oh, little macaroni put noodles. The tuna in it? Tuna. Mm. And then eventually I'm like, you have to call it tuna helper yeah, because tuna you, helper. you cannot make yeah. me think I'm running to the table. Did you do fish sticks? <laughs> I did fish sticks. <laughs> I did fish sticks. I did. Uh, but I drenched, and when I say drenched, it's like was it tartar sauce yeah, or ketchup? Yeah, no, it was tartar sauce. Oh. I love tartar sauce. Oh, I can I can mask it with tartar sauce, but it was also frozen white. You yeah, know, it was heavily breaded and I mean, breaded. It, it, yeah. Was it that different from a chicken nugget? Eh. Eh. With a lot of tartar sauce, not Couldn't really. Tell. No, but I uh, see. I hated mayonnaise from like day one. Oh, like, it really? was from the youth. So I did either ketchup or cocktail sauce. We had a real year there. Uh, I don't remember how old I was, but I wasn't very old. I remember, for whatever reason, I don't. I don't think we were doing well financially. I mean, we never really were, but we had a year there where we either had Oscar Mayer bologna, mm. and if we didn't have Oscar Mayer bologna, my mom would would make what she called sunny side sandwiches. And I was always excited about that because the name itself is oh, like, it sounded oh. delightful. You know what it was? Was it? It was bread with mayonnaise and mustard just wiped uh, together on the bread. And that would be my sandwich. She'd uh, be like, oh, a sunny side sandwich. Yeah. Like, oh, yay. No, we had, we had simple stuff. Yeah. We had, uh, we had the old hamburger pie. 
Hamburger pie. So he did the, you know, cook it in with like some onions and vegetables yeah. in it. Yep. And then so he put it in a pie pan. And then he'd take the uh, instant mashed potatoes oh, and smear it all over the thing and then shredded cheddar cheese on top, yeah. throw that in the oven. My mom did stuff like that, too. We didn't uh, we didn't do so much of the instant mashed potatoes, but I didn't mind them as a kid. I hate the taste of them now. Oh, yeah. I've grown way out of that. There's a lot of things so, yeah. like that I used to eat a lot. Like, I tried Chef Boyardee a couple years ago. It's the most disgusting thing ever. It really was. I don't know how much sugar is in that sauce, but it's unbearable. I got the raviolis because I I, just, I used to eat them straight oh. out of the can without cooking it. And then I tried it with my daughter a couple years ago, and I'm like, hey, I love this. These are good. I haven't had it. And I had, like, one, and I was like, Ugh, I can't, I can't <laughs> eat this anymore. I've grown out of this, unfortunately. Yes. We, we've grown out of it, grown on. Well, I I wanna I wanna say I'm glad you had a nice evening with your with so your. So we did. We had a nice dinner. Yep. Uh, our boy Ryan, quite chatty. Ryan, uh, little broy. He was our waiter. Oh, <laughs> quite chatty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have a chat ratio of waiter at restaurant. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was I pleasant, and and then it was. I like okay. I like a pleasant. Okay, let me let me try to be polite. This. Be pleasant. Welcome me in. Yeah. Let me know if there's any specials, anything I sure. need to know. The intro is longer, and then but after that, it's like okay. Yeah, I like a pleasant pop in waiter or waitress. Yeah, the intro. Yeah, tell me the specials. Ask if we want drinks. You know anything like that, and then you go away. You come back a couple minutes later, pop in with the drinks. Say hey, couple more minutes. Yeah. Walk away, be gone for about five, six minutes. Make me kind of wonder, are you are you coming back? And right as I wonder it, you're there. You do a delightful little pop. You don't need conversation. Yeah. I don't no, need conversation. No, he was he was he was working a little too hard for the conversation, but he was pleasant. He's earning that money. He's earning that money. He's earning the Left money. Left him a nice tip. There you go. That's the nice thing to do. I I had a mini little brouhaha with my wife at 5.01 a.m. today. Well, you're not the only one on Valentine's Day, so. Well, it, was, it wasn't It was even about Valentine's Day. <laughs> my damn dishwasher. We bought this house over almost two years ago. And this dishwasher's been kind of iffy. We had somebody come fix it, and it's been fine. I load it this morning because I was too lazy to do dishes last night. And I just hit the button to run it. It won't run. So I'm spending 20 minutes. It's 4.40 a.m. What are you doing at 4.40? I'm trying to fix a dishwasher. And it's kind of one of these, you kind of have to close it firmly to get it running. And so I think I wake her up by the boom, boom, the constant like closing to see if it'll work. I do have a short temper. I do tend to get pissed because I don't know how to fix things. Anybody on YouTube is laughing along with me. I know. Yeah. I don't know what. Yeah. She comes down. She's not a morning person, but she's decided now to wake up at 4.50 a.m., partially because I'm waking her up. And she comes out, and she sees me. She goes, stop it. And I'm like, I'm not mad. It's, you have to do this. Leave me alone. And then she went upstairs, and I left. And I'm like, awesome way to start my Valentine's Day. Me and my wife yelling at each other at 5.01 a.m. Hello. I think I need it, to send a text. It'll get better. I don't know. I don't know, man. It'll get better. I don't know. I hope it does. <laughs> well, we got a good show today. We have a yes. lot to talk about. And we've got a guest. We've got what I would call a Valentine's Day foot-long college football meatball sub. Oh, there you go. What a mouthful of things to say there. Yeah. We've got Bill Conley at 630. The new SP Plus of 2024 is out. Ooh. 
So we'll uh, we'll go down that a little bit. Talk some Big Ten, B one G, you know, Oregon State. How the Pac two can do next year? Can they can they make a run at this expanded playoff? We'll talk about that. Some stories came out yesterday on that. They're going to vote on it. Finally, gonna vote on it. They have a new TV extension. Yep, ESPN gave them billions of dollars, one point three billion a year for six year extension. Man, that's a lot of money. That's a do re mi. So we'll talk to Bill Conley at six thirty, and then a half hour from there, we'll dive into some of the other stuff because Conley's more analytics, yeah. team numbers based. We'll dive into some of the other storylines, the Pac two, uh, the five plus seven model in the in the twelve team playoff with. Uh, Adam Rittenberg at 7 a.m. of ESPN. Uh, and, yeah, so we got, we're off and rolling. We got NFL Zigger Zag to get to. Statter Story will be at 8.15. Uh, it is a loaded show. Dirt and Spray, good to be here with you. Happy Valentine's Day. Let's get it going, our lovelies, on 1080 The Fan. Well, uh, we'll talk to Bill Conley coming up. Look through the SP Plus this morning. His 2024 SP Plus is out. Where do the Ducks rank? My Beavers. <clears throat> I finally found them. <laughs> Had to scroll a little bit, but they're there. And we'll talk with Bill Conley coming up at the bottom of the hour. We got NFL Zigger Zag at 45, Rittenberg at 7, Statter Story at 8.15. Uh, did you catch much of the Blazer T-Wolf game? Yeah, we got back from dinner in time, so it was uh, it was on, and they were at one. They got some dudes back, so Scoot was back, yep. Ant was back. It was the Battle of the Ants. Yeah, it was Battle of the Ants. Yeah, they have the better ant, though. uh, Yeah. And I'm not sure it's particularly close, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, Anthony Simons is a red ant, and Anthony Edwards is the fire ant. Ah, I was wondering where you're going to go, because red ant's a pretty badass ant. Uh, Yeah. Fire ant's Fire ant was uh, dealing. Yeah, he was. Uh, He had 20-plus in the first half. He finished with 41 on the night. Yep. Uh, Look, this one was... It, they made it interesting, at least. The thing about this team, they're not very. Yeah, they didn't good. get run out of the building. It was there, and then uh, and then Edwards went nuts in the third quarter. I well, think. It, well, no, he went nuts in the well. Yeah, he if went nuts the whole game. Forty-one, I mean, forty-one. He dominated the game. Where they really went nuts was Portland had made a push, came all the way back, took a very brief lead. Yeah, they got a one-point lead, and then and then. Minnesota went on, I want to say, a 27-6 to run. Something like that, yeah. And they blew them out. Yeah. Probably covered whatever the and number Alexander was. And Alexander Walker started hitting threes from everywhere. Yeah. Nice of him to be really good. <laughs> Didn't we have him at one point? I, I feel think like we, we had, had all these guys at one point. Doesn't it feel like some of those Alexander Walker yeah. guys have like a cup of coffee here and we just ship them out, we don't question it, and then they go somewhere and they land and it's yep. like, hey, that guy's not bad. <laughs> But at least, you know, look, there are some, you didn't win, so the ping pong ball is in your advantage if you yeah. care about that. If you don't, I thought I, I think Scoot is Scoot, looking more comfortable. Yeah, Scoot's far more comfortable. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was a good thing to start bringing him off the bench and take a, just uh, not worry about Oh yeah, I the think responsibility that, yes. of the entire team getting him off. Just come in and be a... You know, do your thing. Yes. So now he's comfortable, I think, in the NBA. Um, His shot is getting a little bit more consistent. It still doesn't look great. That's one of the things this offseason he's going to have to really get comfortable with, uh, you know, consistent with. Mm -hmm. But it it looks like he it's a little more comfortable for him. My thing, too, is like the shooting is obviously going to be 
crucial. We, we need him to be he a threat. He has to be a shooter. threat because teams will start yes. going behind screens and playing drop coverage and crowd the lane. Yes. I and he won't be able that. to get to the rim. I think the like Lamar highlighted it on the broadcast. He's got this he's also got an ability though. He's not a great shooter, but he had a defender on him and just like that, that he did a simple little jab step and he can freeze a defender just enough where he's smart enough and talented enough to use that freeze against the defense and go completely by him. And he did. And he cut in. He dropped a dime. If 14 and 9. He can't shoot very well. We all know that. But man, can he create? And he's got vision. Like his passes, I don't care about what his statistics say. His averages, when I watch him play, I'm seeing a point guard that's learning the game. I'm seeing a point guard that has the vision, has an ability to get people involved. He's been playing well. And last night, like, I know Gobert had himself a nice little night. DeAndre Ayton played well. He was efficient. So He was 11 of 12 11 from of the field. 12. He had a double-double. 22 and 16. Uh, he still, the biggest thing I notice is defensively, he just He's looks, not an amazing defender. Can we just, just be honest about like that? He just looks like he's one of those little revolving things that you go through, that you push through when you go into a building. The revolving the doors? Subway. Not a door, but the, oh, the little. Oh, the crank little gate yeah, thing or he whatever just that like is? like spins around <laughs> with his arms what out. What do they call turnstiles, Turnstile. Turn yeah. yeah, he just spins around with his arms <laughs> out, hoping to defend deflect the ball and I don't know who he's guarding. Oh, uh, Minnesota, I put up a poll question yesterday because yeah, we jokingly Cronin's listening, talked about we're not getting an interview. <laughs> oh, I don't think I I don't think anything we've said in this segment Joe would find. Joe is Joe is um he's different from Neil in a lot of ways. I think one area having talked to Joe a couple times, I think Joe knows what the gig is. And like there's an there's an element of that that's nice. You know, it's not a guy that's going to take every little thought or criticism yeah. or feeling personal. Whereas the last guy, man, if you looked at him wrong, he wanted to blackball you from the building. And so, like, that's the nice thing about having a, a, a Joe. Like, last summer was as controversial this franchise has had in a long time. Eh, I don't think any of what people were saying or tweeting or whatever was really phasing him. So... I don't think he would. I, I I just I was watching Minnesota last night. Aiton played well. I thought Scoot had a good game. They had a nice run. Delano uh Delano Banton. Banton. I always want to say it backwards. Yeah. Bellano Danton. I don't know why, but I have oh. this thing with his name where I do that. Okay. I thought he had some moments, largely Minnesota's Minnesota. I jokingly put up the poll question last night. And I'm starting to kind of think about this in my own head because I love Ant Edwards. I've been, I mean, it's not a hot take to say the number one pick in the draft, I'm all in on. He's as an alpha as you would hope to have an alpha on an NBA team. But I, I know a couple, I legitimately know a couple people who, who cover and follow the NBA as much, if not more than me. And I've heard them both say, I'm out, not winner. And I've, I've always been like, what? And now they're having this year. I think I'm entertaining it. The Gobert thing in the playoff is still looming in my head because of what happened in Utah, but that dude, yeah, he's different enough for me to go, he could take things over and make life a little easier. Well, they're the number Gobert. one rated defensive team in the NBA right now. That's because they're all like 6'5 or taller. Well, yeah. Other than Conley. Conley's the, like the, he's when one of Conley's the shortest. Conley's your fourth option, yes. but he's tremendous stealing the basketball. He He's the one that then plays off. Ant gets up into you. McDaniels gets up into you. Yep. Gobert, you know, 
They've gotten Cat to play a little bit more defense. Well, Mc, McDaniel's is an underrated defender as well. Oh, he's Super a great athletic. Defender. He's like I think he's like six six, eight. six seven, six yeah. eight. Yeah, he's somewhere in that range. Alexander Walker, we talked about. He can shoot the lights out. And he's six five. Nas, I mean Nas Reed. Yeah, and their back one of their backup point guards is slow mo. It's Kyle Anderson. Yep. He's like six nine. So it's they just basically doubled down on the trade with Gobert and said, Okay, you're laughing at us now. We're all going to just lean into being tall. Good luck. Yeah. And they've done an exceptional job at that so far. Yeah. And so now the question is, is, okay, in a seven-game series when an opposing team and coach can really dive in and start to... When they drop on Rudy pick, really Pick bad. you apart. Yes. How does that stand up? That's where the defense being tested is big because Utah had this too. They were really good defensively, and then they go to the, the, the playoffs... And they get kind of exposed by by teams with lethal scorers. Right. The Ant Edwards of other teams. But does an Anthony Edwards change the math on this for Minnesota with Gobert? Because he looks I, I honestly I he doesn't shoot exactly like him. I don't shy away from the he kind of has an air of Michael Jordan when he's playing. And I don't mean that as like he's gonna go win six rings and he's gonna be the greatest player of all time. I just when you watch the athleticism and how fluid he is, he had a sick yeah. Euro step. Oh yeah. Where he went left, two blade, uh, one we, blazer before. We had front that back. in the open from Calabro. Oh who, my God, he broke right between them, just smoothly laid it up. And I'm like, oh my lord. Good luck guarding that guy. Yep. Uh I got a Blazer thing I want to get into in the back end of the show. So we'll okay. get back into the Blazer-centric stuff. We're going to do an early ticker. We are. We're going to do an early ticker. Bill Conley, ESPN, the new SP Plus in college football 2024 has dropped. Let's dive into it. Bill Conley next on The Fan. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How'd you do that? I'm not even mad. Amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, an early Daily Ticker here on Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan, but we always do an early ticker if we can to get this man on, a good friend of the show for a long time now we go back to the SB Nation days and now he's been at ESPN for quite some time dominating the dojo Bill Conley the creator of SP Plus the new 2024 SP Plus rankings are out at ESPN.com we also tweeted it out at Dirt and Sprague the show page on Twitter I think Bill retweeted so thanks to Bill on that and he's on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C uh, Bill good morning welcome back to the states SP Plus 2024 baby how we feeling <laughs> that's right Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. <laughs> well, hey, we're in love. We're in love with college football here. Uh, <laughs> when you sit down to write this every year, the very first new rankings of a year, how, how are you feeling when you sit down to write the new rankings? <laughs> I mean, it's nice to have those, uh, you know, mile posts throughout the, throughout the year. You know exactly what time of year it is based on what you're doing. And, I mean, it's, it's kind of neat. I mean, I, you know, for all the – changes that that have happened to the sport and are about to happen this coming fall um you know the way to project quality hasn't really changed all that much i've had to change based on transfer stuff but it's still a semi-reliable process and it is you know just kind of fun i i I like doing it i like looking forward it's you know it's been a month since we've had college football it's time to start looking ahead to the next season well that's the thing bill i feel like a couple years ago and maybe maybe it's been longer than that but i remember talking to our boss and 
I think it was like March or April, and I'm like, college football's it's the NFL. It's year round now. Like there's all of these yeah. things that are happening. And so it's become almost a 12-month sport, not just, hey, the season's here, it dies for a while, then spring, and then it dies again. It's just constantly moving, coaching changes. You mentioned the portal. I know you're a numbers guy, Bill, and small sample size is maybe not the best way to measure these things, but I am curious because you, you cited it there. How has the portal changed the way some of these numbers look? Like you say, it doesn't hasn't dictated too much. I'm just curious what you're seeing with the numbers where transfer portal – it's the controversy of they're not sure EA is going to be able to make the video game because the portal is always moving and players are moving. <laughs> right. and it's hard to keep up. What are the numbers saying about the transfer portal? Yeah, I mean, that part, you know, SP Plus is basically the projections are based off of three things. There's the returning production part, the recruiting rankings part, and the just recent history part. And, um, you know, the, the, the last couple of years what I've seen is, I mean, every offseason I look back at the weighting of everything that I do and, and try to fiddle with, you know, how would this have worked best last year? And it's, you know, there's a little retrofitting involved there. But, um, you know, basically – the weights have shifted, number one, obviously, towards um, the returning production part. Like, the recruiting rankings aren't quite as important because you can go about building quality in other ways. So that's one. Um, they, I mean, they're still, they're still in there, but it's not as much of a – as heavy a, a weight. Um, and what I've learned is, you know, the, you know, you got to account for the, the, the recruiting rankings of the transfers themselves – uh, that helped a little bit. And then just, you know, what, what I've always done with transfers and what I just have to do like 50 times more now is take your production at your last school and cram it into the returning production formula for your new school. Like, you know, at, at Georgia, Trevor ATN from Florida is now part of their returning production. Um, you know, DJ Uyagalale is now part of Florida State's returning production. Uh, that's just kind of that's it, it works relatively well um and and it did you know i colorado obviously was the big test last year and it did a at the end it had done a really solid job of projecting colorado's uh quality so to speak or i guess lack thereof and and that was kind of a, i that's a very small sample of one team but i was happy to see that so um i, I do think things have changed but they're still those three components are still how you go about predicting a college football team college football 2024 preseason sp plus rankings coming out today espn.com is where you can find them bill conley is our guest here he is the creator of it and the new rankings are out so we wanted to try to get bill on he just got back stateside so we're excited to have him here uh oregon comes in for you at number three of the sp plus well not for you for the numbers oregon is at number three uh number one offensively on SP plus 15th defensively SP plus I'm curious is that about because Duck fans want the title Dan Lanning stays in Eugene he wants a title they're going to the Big Ten now when you look at teams that typically win this thing and I know there's more parity in the sense of well where the portal helps but we still have our traditional powers here if Oregon wants to take that leap this year first going into the season and 15th on defense is that pretty normal for teams that are kind of in the situation of or in the position of winning a championship? Um, yeah, I mean, having that balance, 
you know, top 15 on both sides. That is kind of – I'm, I'm trying to think back to the rankings of recent champions. I mean, Georgia was going to be, you know, top three defensively and probably top 10 or 12 offensively. Um, uh, when they won, I think, last year, Michigan was certainly top 10 in both. So maybe you could make a case that the defense needs to be a little better, especially since, you know, changing quarterbacks, even with what – you know, bringing in Dylan Gabriel and whatnot, you know, losing your starting quarterback but still being projected first in offense. That is kind of – you know, that's a leap of faith right there. So maybe they're only a top five offense and the defense needs to be better. So that that's that's certainly going to be uh, an interesting thing to, to watch with Oregon. But, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway from seeing them ranked that high is they were that high last year. They were they finished last season third in SP+. Um, and obviously plenty of Washington fans yelled at me about that. But I can, I mean, as, as strange as it is to try to make this argument, I think Oregon was for all but about two weeks last year a better team than Washington. It was just the, the wrong two weeks that they uh, couldn't get, you know, that, that kind of held them back. So they were a, an astoundingly good team last year. Really, really, really solid. When they won, they usually dominated. Um, and they return, obviously not the quarterback, but they return plenty of the reasons for that domination. It's just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm much more – it's going to be hard to have the best offense with a, with a change of quarterbacks. So that defense is going to be kind of the, the – the, is going to bear a lot of uh, expectation, we'll say. I want to ask about Oregon State, Bill, but I, I just – when you watched them, I know your take and the numbers can be different here, but when you watched them versus what the numbers were saying they were, is it just boiled down to you as luck? Like we talked after that first Washington game, you just didn't capitalize on fourth down conversions – you probably win the game if you do, but they were they were unsuccessful in crucial moments. Is is it boiled down to luck, or was it something you were seeing that maybe the numbers don't see when you see Oregon saying, "Oh, they they rank here, but they're not winning these couple of games." No, I mean I think I can. I mean the first game was just as as much of a, po- a toss up as you could possibly think of, right down to the field goal to send it in overtime at the end. I mean that was. You know, it, when two teams or even one of them still ends up winning, and I think that was that was what that first game said. Now, the reason the rankings Washington ended up so far separated from Oregon was because after that game, they really you know whether it was because of injuries, whether it was because of whatever, they 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 faded quite a bit. They had to win, a, they had to beat a bunch of average to above average teams in in you know late with you know, but by one score and whatnot. Needed a pick six to beat a bad, what ended up being a bad Arizona State team. Um, and, and their ranking really kind of stumbled from that point forward, but then they'd meet in the Pac-12 championship, play basically a perfect fourth quarter, fourth, uh, first quarter, excuse me, and then just kind of ride it out. And so the, the, you know, Washington timed its moments better, and, and I think close games are hard because they're part quarterback and coaching and special teams and that kind of stuff, and they are part absolute randomness, and it's hard to separate one from the other. Uh, but you know, seeing what we know about Michael Penix Jr. and and late game execution, Washington certainly had a good close game recipe last year, and they took advantage of it. I just think, top to bottom, if they played you know best of seven, I think I, even down o two, I still might have picked Oregon in a best of seven. Uh, Oregon State, I, I, I scrolled down a little bit. Oregon State's at forty four. They're obviously starting with a new regime here. Jonathan Smith goes to Michigan State. Trent Bray uh, fills in their D coordinator now, the head coach. They've got a lot of ties of former players and people familiar with Corvallis coaching on that staff now. And I know the numbers say 44. I'm curious just your thoughts of kind of a pseudo Mountain West schedule now and how a team that comes in at 44 can maybe go higher in the actual rankings despite what SP Plus says given strength of schedule. 
Yeah, um, looking at the schedule, they're they're a projected underdog or they're a projected favorite, I should say, in nine of twelve games. Um, obviously, the Oregon game is going to be tough uh, with Oregon projected third, but otherwise, like just a you know one and a half points at uh, at California and basically one point at Boise. So, if they figure out the quarterback situation, I, I really like that Giovanni McCoy kid. Um, you know, I, I really Idaho was a team that I watched a shocking amount of last year. They're just really really <laughs> fun to watch. Um, and, and, but they have, you know, part of the, of a pretty good offensive line coming back. They got, you know, if Martinez is, I I love Martinez. Um, the the defense is going to be tricky. I mean, mean, that, that was a lot to lose on defense. And obviously when you look at the breakout they're you know, they're in the mid forties, the offense is in the thirties, but the defense is in the sixties after a couple of really good years defensively, which tells you how much they lost. Um, it is going to be. There's plenty of upside to this schedule. Obviously, it's um, you know it's just going to be kind of a you know what are where's everybody's head? What what is the, what are the motivation levels? Um, and uh, you know because obviously the biggest loss of this last season had nothing to do with anything on the football field, and we'll see exactly. Can you turn that into some massive motivation, uh, prove everybody wrong thing, or does it just kind of negativity overtake the program with all the change? So I'm, I'm, that's that's the biggest question for me. Uh, the numbers make sense, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, Bill, just to get you out of here on this one because we appreciate the time. Uh, the top 25 teams, Wisconsin's the 25th team, and then it goes up, and a lot of the usual players are in that ranking. Was there one that surprised you or one that you're looking at saying, I think their numbers can change enough to put them in a conversation with an expanded playoff. They can maybe take yeah. a leap and, and get in that conversation. Yeah, I think, um, well, even though I knew that they were second in returning production, seeing Iowa State at 22nd kind of threw me off a little bit. It did remind me that for a little while now, Matt Campbell's biggest problem has been that he never wins close games um, because if they were to have won a couple more toss-ups last year, they would have been kind of a top 25 team, and now they return a lot of players. So that's that was kind of interesting to me. But I do think, you know, there's this huge – like, Georgia's way out ahead of the pack. And then you kind of know who's going to be next in SP Plus or polls or anything else, some mix of Ohio State, Texas, Oregon, um, Michigan, Alabama are going to be up there. But I do think what was most interesting to me looking at the list was, you know, from, you know, what, number 16 up to – about number, uh, what, eight or so. It's basically a touchdowns difference. There are a ton of teams, you know, whether it's like a Texas A&M that gets a little bit new leadership, whether it's an old Miss that kind of went all in on this year. Uh, there are a lot of teams that could make a run pretty easily. And, and that's kind of in, in a 12-team era, that's what you want to see. You want like 30 teams starting off with legit playoff uh, hopes and, and, you know, at least, 10 or so thinking they could make a run of the title. And I think we might have that this year and, and we'll see how that goes. Bill Conley, the master and creator of SP plus ESPN.com. The 2024 preseason rankings drop today. ESPN.com is where you can find it. And you can find Bill on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C just got back stateside. Look like a great trip, man. Welcome back <laughs> and welcome back college football. Thanks for hopping on with us. We always appreciate the time. Absolutely. Take care. All right, there we go. Great stuff from our friend, Bill Conley, of ESPN. I get jacked for this stuff. I know uh, it's preseason long way away, but I'm still interested to see what the numbers are saying. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Adam Rittenberg at 7. We'll bump NFL zigzag to a later point in the show because I want to get to all of those zigzags with swag later. So Dirt and Sprague back with more on 1080 The Fan. 
Adam Rittenberg will join us, ESPN. We'll continue the college football conversation. More college football in this show today than I thought there would be signing off yesterday. Yeah, well, I saw it looks like they're going to get their 5 plus 7 model done. They signed their TV deal for the college football playoff. So I think we're starting to see what the future looks like, at least for the next five to seven years, unless yes. some other major bomb drops. Unless but, the Big Ten and SEC go, you know what, actually? I think it more has to do with the AC. If the ACC somehow implodes because they get in some giant fight and Florida State's able to extricate itself. I think you can make a really good argument, Swag. It should implode. If you go undefeated and you get left out of the playoff, I'm going to be looking at my conference as the reason I didn't get in. Because as undefeated Florida State in the Big 12 or the Pac-12 last year, the way it was, the SEC, the Big Ten, is that, are they getting left out? I don't think they are. I actually thought that was a referendum on how bad the ACC's perception is. Yes. You can certainly say, no, Sprague, they just really want Bama. I mean, I get that. That's absolutely true. But I think both of these things are true. I think if you're Florida yeah. State... They had a, they, they a get-out-of-jail-free card with the quarterback injury. Yeah... Yeah, it's still bogus. It's it's a bogus argument. But we've seen third string quarterbacks win the title, and I don't think Florida State wins. But that's again, I don't want to get back into that argument. Well, there was no Cardell Jones third on the depth chart at Florida State. Sure, okay, all right. Well, we've still never seen an undefeated team be left out like that. But I think that what that emphasizes is your regular season really doesn't matter. I mean, that's that's how I view it. That's the scary part for college football. Well, it's scary for all those teams in that conference. Um. So we'll get to Rittenberg coming up at 7. There's a story out. I, w- I got a couple NBA nuggets I want to get to today. Shaq had his jersey retired by the third team of his career. Yep. His first team of his career. Too. Well, but the third team right. to retire a jersey. He's yep. one of, I think he's one of a few players that's ever had that. Uh, Bill Russell. I, Jordan has list. one in Miami, which is the weirdest thing in sports that. history that a team like that would do that given he kicked their ass like every year yeah and chicago i'd have to look at the wizards retired it just out of like hey thanks for being here yeah. for a couple years so we'll talk about that and then also the warriors tried to make a trade for lebron yeah did you see that i i saw the headline i didn't dive into the story and i wonder i wondered if the you would come in and go this is this is just everything I hate about the NBA right now. Um, a trade that yes. didn't go down. Nothing has changed. And, it's and leading, this is what the NBA people are fixated on. It is, somebody had a really funny tweet. And if I can remember who it was, I would give credit. But I saw it right after the Super Bowl. And it was like, if Patrick Mahomes was in the NBA, the NBA media would jump on TV tomorrow and say he needs to be traded out of a small market. Yeah, he so needs he to go to win. the Giants. How do we get him to the yeah. Giants how, or the how, Jets? Yeah, how do we get him to the Jets? Or yeah, would the Chiefs trade Patrick Mahomes for Aaron Rodgers and stuff? That's what the NBA media would. do. And this is the difference between the NFL and the NBA of how the Chiefs in Kansas City are on the same level as. The Giants and the Cowboys and the Eagles yes. and the Bears who are in the yeah. giant market. It's not a market-dependent sport where they go, hey, you're in Green Bay. We don't like it. We need to get you out of that small market. You need to go to Dallas. They don't do that. They do it when it gets to the end of points with coaches and players. They don't spend all of their podcast time. How can we fix the Lakers? Like, I don't care. Can we talk about Oklahoma City? I hate the NBA media. I think they're terrible, and I think it's part of the reason the NBA sucks. Love the sport, 
hate the league. Their coverage their is coverage. about six teams. It's about six teams, so, and that's not so good are their for actual the TV slots where yeah. they have games on. Yeah. Uh, anyways, enough griping about that. I didn't get to my Oregon State note from Conley there. I'll get to that at some point. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN. He graded the new coaching hires. He gave a favorable grade to Trent Bray in Oregon State. And how does he view the future landscape of the league? Adam Rittenberg kicks off hour number two, Dirt and Sprague, on 1080 The Fan. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Dirt and Spray. Are you a big man? Pop, I'm talking to you. What? You wake up in the morning, you say, I put on my big boy pants. You put on a little jacket, you go. You take your lunch because you got big boy pants on. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. I can say big loud things. I can be demonstrative. This is how you conduct yourself in a democracy. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. They want to look to the future. We've got to tear down the past. Babe Ruth was nothing more than a fat old man with little girl legs. The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Hour number two. Dirt and Sprague here. Bright and early. Good morning, you sickos and psychos. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. Thank you for waking up and making us a part of your day. Uh, we have a loaded first hour of the show, and we got a loaded second hour of the show, and we're going to kick it off with our good friend Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. He's got some great pieces up, uh, parsing out the UCLA situation, Deshaun Foster, the new coach, grading hires. He went through that. Oregon State obviously included in that with Jonathan Smith leaving. And we wanted to pick his brain on just the nature of the beast that is college football now. Uh, he's on Twitter, at Rittenberg ESPN. Adam, good morning. Thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, we always appreciate the time. How is, how is navigating the waters of college football, transfer portal, coaching moves, expanded playoff, 
future models of playoff, new inked deal with the media rights for the playoff. How has all of this just, how has it changed your life a little bit, the way it's, as a business, the sport has grown? Right. Good morning, guys. Yeah, it's obviously, there's not much of an off season anymore. There's a lot more interest in the sport year round. There were periods of the year when I started out where college football was really off the radar and I don't think it is certainly as much for the diehards, but even the casual fans, you know, uh, you mentioned the playoff and where that lands. Uh, looks like it's going to be a five and seven model. Uh, the media rights deal obviously is, a, is something that will get some attention. And then the coaching moves, um, you know, this has been the, maybe the longest uh, coaching carousel that I can remember, 30 jobs total. And, uh, and now it's seemingly over with Deshaun Foster, but we'll see. You never know. Um, and, and obviously the portal has changed it a lot. So thankfully we have a big staff and you know I don't have to do it all, but um, it is a uh, definitely a, a different type of February than when I first started here. I, I really, I, I went through a lot of the grading of the coaching hires uh, that you and uh, that you put together. And I, I went through your grade of, of uh, Trent Bray here. You said, I should have viewed Bray. I should have viewed Bray as a strong candidate to replace Smith right away, given Bray's deep roots with the program, his ability to maintain uh, continuity, and his popularity with Oregon State fans. He'll be a first-time head coach at a very uh, delicate time in program's history. Uh, Kind of a pseudo-Mountain West schedule for them this year. They're now in the Pac-2 with Washington State, given everything that happened to that conference. Just... Kind of elaborate on giving a B-plus grade to Trent Bray, uh, a very unknown, obviously, as a first-time head coach, and what you highlight there, a very delicate time for this this program's position with conference and, and future kind of questioning. Yeah, I think a lot of the hires fell under this um, umbrella, in a sense, that it really was about the context, and nothing against others who do coaching grades, but I see, I see some of the grades, and I'm like, are you really putting this into the like this situation given what's going on at this time with this program? So like normally I don't know if I would have given a B plus for that grade, but you know given the fact that Oregon State is uh, you know it was a time where the portal was was uh, was opening and key players were leaving, and I just felt like they needed to get this thing stabilized. Um, I, I think he's a guy that has the chance to do that given how he's regarded and, and obviously his devotion to the program. So you know, how he'll be as a head coach is certain, certainly a mystery, similar to Deshaun Foster at UCLA. You're taking over in mid-February. It's a very unusual time to be, uh, be elevated into a head coaching position for the first time. But, I, I, you know, again, I think that um, it was certainly someone who uh, represent, or re- resonated with the fans and the, and the players, and that's not the only reason you make a hire. But I think uh, given where Oregon State is headed – uh, they needed some sense of continuity and stability um, rather than, you know, kind of uh, ripping it up and starting over again. I think that would have been a hard thing to have happen to the program after everything that did happen, uh, you know, in, in the season, rising as high as they did, uh, losing those last two games, how, how they did, obviously Jonathan Smith's departure, and then losing guys into the portal. That, that would have been a very hard thing to do a full reset on. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN, college football national reporter. Our guest here has got some great articles at ESPN.com. Go to their college football section. You'll see a bunch of them. He does great work. He's a good friend of the show, longtime friend of the show. Uh, Obviously, for Kirk Schultz, Washington State, and Oregon State, the 5-plus-7 model is best for them. They're going to fight like hell. You kind of mentioned it there. Is it the best model for the sport? Do you think they should just agree to this and, and be done with this conversation for a little bit? 
Well, I think it's important to have some resolution. Um, it's just funny. I was thinking back to uh, the always extended deadlines to get the model in place. I and mean, we kept hearing, well, if they don't decide by this meeting, there's no chance that they're going to have it ready in time. And then lo and behold, they have it ready in time. So, you know, again, I, I, I scoff a little bit about, well, we got to get this thing done. But I, I do think that there's you know, urgency here and, um, you know, certainly it makes sense for those two schools, but I, my, my whole thing with the playoff model is just inclusivity. Uh, that was the problem with the 14 playoff. It wasn't a bad system in determining the best team in the country, but it was a bad system in excluding leagues and in some cases entire regions of the country. So, um, you know, I get it. The Big Ten and the SEC want to fill most of those spots, and they have teams that are capable of doing that. But I think this thing needs to at least have pathways for um, for others in other conferences, including obviously Washington State and Oregon State, given their unique situation. Adam, do you think everybody that's not an SEC or Big Ten fan should be nervous by them teaming up together and kind of excluding the Big Twelve, the ACC? I know the Pac-2 is fighting for you know to just stay in this conversation and for a seat at the table. Do you think the rest of the college football world should be nervous by them because they've had? I think it was Tony Petiti that said. He kind of likes the 16-team playoff. Obviously, he wants that, and the SEC would want that for more of their teams to be in it. Should should the world of college football be nervous that those two are exclusively working together? Or how, what is your just read on, on the partnership that they've kind of created with this? Yeah, it's definitely notable. I'm actually going to visit with Tony this morning, so I'll have a better answer for you later. But <laughs> you know, he, he, he definitely um, – uh, and, and Greg Sankey, the fact that they are working together is notable because for years – you know, these two conferences were rivals, even though there was uh, times where they, they had strong working relationships. I don't think that was the case as much with Greg Sankey and Kevin Warren. They were just very different. As Kevin said, they saw the world differently. And I think these two commissioners, Sankey and Petiti, are, are more aligned. Um, you know, there's certainly the, the backdrop and the drumbeat that, you know, this sport is eventually going to go to a you know, super league-like model where, you know, there'll be a, a, a group of, 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 you know, 35, 40, 25, 60, anywhere in that range. And, you know, these two leagues are obviously going to be populating whatever that is more than any other. So I think that would be the long-term concern. I, you know, I think Brett Yormark said this the other day, though, as a, you know, the Big 12 commissioner, as, as long as the communication lines are open as much as possible in a sport where oftentimes people get surprised by big news, um, then I think it's okay for those leagues. But I, I would be cer- certainly a little concerned because, again, these two have gone from rivals to at least having this partnership and talking about some of the bigger issues in the sport. Uh, Adam Rittenberg, ESPN, is our guest here on his way to go talk to the Big Ten Commissioner, Tony Petiti. So uh, I can't wait to see what the information you're going to provide us on, on Twitter and ESPN.com or whatever you end up getting out of that, sit down with him. Uh, if I had to ask you, you did new coaching hire grades. Washington's obviously on this. Alabama's obviously on this. Which coach will be lo- what, lasting longer at their new job, Kalen DeBoer or Jed Fish? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, history history would say Kalen DeBoer. Um, you know, Jed Fish you know, has been a job hopper or maybe by necessity has moved around a heck of a lot in his career as an assistant. And then now, um, you know, with his first move coming just three years at Arizona, where he did a great job in the end, but then moved to uh, Washington. Um, you know, again, I, I think Kalen's in it for the long haul if they'll have him. It's obviously going to be a very difficult situation to replace Nick Saban. The expectations are off the charts even right away. 
and um, you know if they miss the fourteen playoff a couple of times, that he could be in trouble. But you know, I think that's a little bit more of a destination job for Kalen DeBoer than Washington is for Jed Fish. Now maybe Jed will surprise us, and that'll be a place he stays for you know seven, eight, ten years. But his history and track record says that he'll be moving on relatively soon. And you know, one job that people are already talking about, and I don't think it would happen this quick, is is Florida. That's where Jed Fish is from, or sorry, that's where he went to, co- to college, uh, has roots in that state, worked there as an NFL assistant, I think he was at Miami at one point, so, you know, th- there's a good chance that job comes open in the next couple of years, what does Jed Fish do at that point? We talked to your colleague uh, about a half hour ago or so, Bill Conley, his SP Plus numbers have come out for 2024, and I, I, I understand I'm asking you this on Valentine's Day, we have a lot of football practices to get through to even get to a season if, if if teams are healthy, let's just give that caveat. Who do you like better in the Big Ten to win it? Do you like Michigan, Ohio State, or Oregon? Yeah, I mean, honestly, what's, and it's weird to say this because they just won the national championship, but no, Michigan would be a third in that in, in that in that order, and maybe a distant third, just because of all the transition that they've gone through, both with their roster and their coaching staff. I have no idea who would be the quarterback in Michigan. I know that Dylan Gabriel is going to be the quarterback at Oregon, and that, uh, you know, uh, Will Howard most likely will be the quarterback at Ohio State, although they have a very uh, crowded and talented quarterback room that Chip Kelly is now overseeing along with Ryan Day. So I, I think to me it's between Ohio State and, uh, and Oregon, um, and both teams have been really aggressive in the NIL space and the transfer portal and building up their rosters to compete for, for a championship. Um, you'll probably give Ohio State a little bit of an edge just because They've been in the Big Ten. They know what uh, it's like to go through it in this conference. As history shows, it's hard to move conferences and have success right away. But that's certainly the goal for Dan Lanning and that staff at Oregon, you know, with, with the team that they have coming back. And they have a lot of motivation uh, having uh, you know, lost the key games that have kept them out of the playoff and out of the Pac-12 uh, championship. So I think for both teams, it would be a massive disappointment to miss the playoff. Who's going to win the Big Ten? Um, you know, it could come down to you know them playing one another, which would certainly be a, a must-see game around the college football map. Uh, Adam, I'll get you out of here, man, because I, I know you're super busy today, and we do greatly appreciate the time. I'll get you out of here with this. Just this is just your thought. You've been covering college football for a long time. We are living in the evolution. I know it's really weird because it's growing and they're getting more viewers every year. It's the second biggest sport in North, in you know in America. It it just is. They get the the second most eyeballs uh, just only to the NFL. Do you like where the sport is right now personally? Just your thoughts, not what people have told you, just your opinion covering the sport. Do you like where the sport is? Well, I certainly like that the popularity continues to go up. That's a good thing for someone working at it. But I, I would say that um, they're, they're, the personnel situation is, is sort of untenable. I, I don't think that you can go forward year after year having you know th- this extended period of personnel movement. I'm not against uh, personnel movement. I'm not against players having the right to take control of their futures. Uh, I do think that there would be ben- benefits. Uh, certainly for the teams and maybe for the players to go to a full-blown employment model where you have contracts. Um, I think it would allow the players a sense of security. It would certainly allow the coaches a, uh, 
an idea of what their teams are going to look like year to year. But if you're going to if you're going to keep it the way it is, you you, you can't. Re- I don't think you can have a system honestly where you're going until June first or later until you know what your team looks like. That just doesn't exist in any other sport with such a short lead up to the season. In college basketball, because of when it ends, you have a lot of your movement that takes place after the academic year. That's not the case in college football. You need to have your team ready to go, um, I think, earlier than June 1st. Ideally, uh, you know, by, by spring. You need to know what you have. And I think right now it's very, very difficult uh, because there, there's just so much movement and uncertainty. I mean, Michigan, I don't know who's going to be their quarterback. I, I, you could say that for a few teams uh, because there's going to be more movement in the spring portal. Good stuff. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN, ESPN.com, on his way to go talk to the Big Ten commissioner as this sport continues to, the landscape of it, shift and move around. We'll see what happens. Five plus seven model seems like that's the way they're going with the expanded playoff. ESPN, his company, inking the new media rights deal for the playoff. Find Adam Rittenberg on on, uh, Twitter and ESPN.com. Adam, thanks so much for the time, man. Enjoy the rest of your Valentine's Day and the conversation with Tony Petiti. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right, there we go. Great stuff from our good friend Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com on just where the sport of college football is in general. Something Conley said and something uh, Rittenberg said. I want to talk about it next on The Fan. Had a, uh, a text from somebody that said, sports are always evolving, and I'm sure I'm showing my age, but as a lifetime basketball junkie, I can't help but remember when the Eurostep was once upon a time known as traveling. Yes. <laughs> the Eurostep. The Eurostep. I still see it done sometimes, and I'm like, okay, well. That didn't look right. That didn't look right, but, you know, he got that shot off, I guess. Uh, we'll get to NFL Zigger Zag coming up here at the bottom of the hour. A couple audio clips in the old Zigger Zag. Uh, I will not be getting to more overtime, knowing the rules, taking the football conversation. I've about had it and been exhausted by it. Yeah, I, don't I know find it we're... odd that that's the biggest takeaway from the game is the team lost because they didn't know if they needed to score a touchdown. Breaking news. They were trying to score a touchdown. They were trying to score a touchdown anyway. The, also, only, the only thing that becomes an issue is if they decided to go for two or not. That's, that's sure, the issue. Sure, sure. They can, were trying yeah. to score a touchdown. Yeah, As I noted on Monday, and somehow this dragged into Tuesday as conversation for people, the guy who caught the game-winning touchdown didn't even know the game was over. But Andy Reid's so much better. So odd to me. Uh, we'll get to NFL zigzag coming up. Statter story at 8-15. Got some NBA odds and ends to get to. Shaq had his jersey retired for the third time. And there's a LeBron story. I'll just bring it up. Uh, we'll get to it at some point. Maybe. <laughs> it didn't happen, so I... ESPN spending an hour on the topic, but the okay. ultimate non-news news. Uh, interesting. I love the SP+. Plus. I Actually, I love all of this stuff because what it does is college football goes away. We take a month off after the season for whatever dumb reason. We then do a playoff, and then it goes away for a couple weeks, and then it's back in our live because Vegas says, this is how many wins over under we're projecting these teams, and then everybody picks it and says, oh, they're only at eight and a half. I think they win nine. And then the rankings come out, and the metrics tell us this is kind of where they stack up in the landscape of college football. Conley said Oregon State's going to be favored in nine of their 12 games. Yeah, but what is their strength of schedule and opponents other than Oregon in there? That, that's well, Don't really they have the, the Purdue game this year? They do have Purdue. Okay. Uh, but with a, you know, do they have... 
How many FCS schools do they have? I don't have their schedule up right now. Uh, I think they only have the one. Now, let me see here real quick because I want to see something. I mean, they really need those Mountain West schools to be good. Well, yeah, but like if they're 10 and 2. So last year, the final rankings, there were four four teams that were 10 and 2 in the top 12. Okay. So does 10 and 2 with a pseudo Mountain West schedule, does that get you in or does that get you out because, well, you played the Mountain West? I think there's a ton riding on the Oregon game for them. For like just in their entire season. Their entire season. Even if it's. What if they lose a close game? If they lose a close game, I still think that helps them. Okay. Yeah, because you're hanging with a team like Oregon, who are the metrics say they're top five they, in a lot of ways. They should be in contention to play in the Big Ten championship. I, if they're healthy, so I will be I will be shocked if we get to yeah. the Big Ten title game weekend and say Oregon's not in it. If they're healthy, I'll be stunned, and I'll be really curious to hear what Duck fan thinks about that and my co-host because I don't know what the reason would be they wouldn't be in it, given Penn State craps the bed in their biggest games. Uh, Michigan is an unknown with their new coach, and they lot of they lost a lot of they coaching lost a staff ton and personnel. Of off that roster, Ohio State's absolutely loaded. I think they're slightly better than Oregon. After those other teams, like who are you going to in the Big Ten? So, exactly. like, if Oregon's healthy, I don't know what the excuse is going to be if they're not in the Big Ten title game. So, I'm with you there. I just Oregon State and what they're going to try to do with Trent Bray. Adam Rittenberg grades is at a B plus. Hey, it's continuity. It's a guy that knows what it takes to win here. There's a lot of Beaver. I had a listener on Monday was like telling me they upgraded in coaching. Now, I'm not ready to go quite that far. I know we're mad at Jonathan Smith, but I watched Jonathan Smith as a head coach, and he was really damn good. I hope Trent Bray is good. I don't know how you get to the opinion that they upgraded in coaching, given you have no idea what that guy's like as a head coach. But with the pseudo-Mountain West schedule swag, favored in 9-12, of yeah. if you can just be okay in your non-conference, I don't know why they can't find themselves right within this earshot. LSU was 13 at 9-3. and three. You're going to be right as a record, right in that kind of area, I think, for a lot of college football people. You should be. Uh, but, again, you're then you're leaving it up to the committee. And if you – and the committee is in the past. So let's say LSU loses to Alabama, Georgia, and at Tennessee. I don't know what their schedule is. And Oregon State loses to Oregon, and they lose to Boise State. Those are their two losses. Yeah, I think Boise State was one of the games he noted they might be a slight dog in because they're they're at Boise, I believe. I think so. Okay, I don't know why I googled uh, their Oregon, schedule. Are you putting Oregon State in over a three loss LSU? Is the, is the committee? Well, not us. we know what the committee's going to exactly. Do there. That's my concern. Okay. Um, I just nine or twelve games that got to leave you pretty confident at least going into it. I know we don't know what they're going to be, but nine yeah. out of twelve being favored, they need the Mountain West to be good. Like, be was the Mountain West good enough last year? If they played in it last year, was it I don't good think enough? So okay, and that's the difficult thing of playing down in conference, which is yeah. why, by the way, to Rittenberg's point, he thinks the five plus seven model is going to be the one voted on. 
and that's what Schultz and Oregon State, because Washington State, of course, is well. They don't. This. They're not eligible for the conference championship game, so they can't get in as an automatic qualifier. They got to get in as an at-large berth, no matter what. So if there's yes. one more at-large team into the that's field, that's why they want the five seven. Here we yeah. go. And do you think that's the best model for the sport? Not just like take the Oregon stuff, Oregon State stuff, Washington State stuff away. Is that the best model for the sport? Because I listened to Josh Pate last night, our other good friend. He thinks they're going to get to 16. I think they will get to 16. And he thinks it's going to be a 5 plus 11. And you think Oregon State's breaking in over those Big Ten SEC teams? Whoa, buddy, get ready. No. If they get it to 16, I would like them to go to 6. 6 and 10? 6 and 10. 6 and 10, I think, would be fair. The problem is the conference stuff. ACC might be dying. The the Big 12, the ACC... They were excluded from the conversation and the partnership of the Big Ten and the SEC, which I think if you go back to when when USC left the Pac-12 for the Big Ten and shocked the world and changed everything, I think this show, once upon a time, said, I'd be careful now of the Big Ten and the SEC coming together to maybe break apart at some point. That's not going to happen in the near future. No, they're locked in now. I think it's eight years total. So the six-year TV extension is after these next two years. Um, so they're eight years with ESPN. They'll make close to $10 billion. But the thing about it, the thing about it, swag that sucks is you can say how many years out it is. ESPN and Fox are, are kind of beholden to what the SEC and the big 10 want. If they come together and say, we want this. Yeah. Those networks at this point are all in on the business of the SEC and the big 10. Yeah. I don't know what the new voting structure is for the college football playoff board of directors. Mm. Because before you needed a unanimous thing, which is why this has been held up, because Kirk Schultz still holds a vote. Yeah. Um, So if it's only a majority, I don't know how many. I mean, Swarbrick is still on there from Notre Dame. Somehow a athletic department. Uh, director gets just as big a voice as an actual conference commissioner. So there's a commissioner from a conference in which his football team is kind of in, but not officially in, and he has as much say as the commissioner of how many of the ACC teams are there? Fifteen now. 14, Fifteen AC. Fourteen. Or, uh, Seventeen, I think. Okay, whatever the number whatever is. The new number is. It's more than one, and somehow Swarbrick is as important as a commissioner. Of the conferences that have that many teams. It's a we live in a really weird world of college football right now. Um, but good stuff from Conley, great stuff from Rittenberg. If you missed those interviews, go check it out at 1080 the fan, our podcast section. Uh coming up next, NFL Zigger Zag. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. NFL zig or zag coming up. Uh, by the way, one of the listeners, uh, I think it was the one that had said the Bray thing, said, I said they upgraded. Smith was checked out likely from week four on. Bray carried that team last year. I don't disagree that he's probably negotiating or his agent was behind the scenes early, but I I don't know. I guess I would say, in what evidence do you have that Bray carried the team? Uh, this is a weird, it's like it, it, we're disagreeing, but like I want him to be good. I don't know where that leaves me. Uh, all right, let's get to NFL Zigger Zag. We'll get to Saturday's story coming up. College football is back, baby. It's back. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, let's start. NFL draft around the corner. Latest mock of Pro Football Focus, our fine friends at PFF Swag. Yes. They have your L.A. Superchargers mm. at number five, taking Washington Husky Rome Adunze, while ESPN's Field Yates, in his mock, has them taking Joe Alt, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. Swag, zig or zag, you'd rather the Chargers take the offensive tackle instead of a receiver. Oh, uh, no, I will zag. They need a receiver. They need more targets. I wouldn't, if if Brock Bowers, he was originally up there. He's falling for some reason. I don't know why. I haven't delved into it too much. But, no, they need, they need playmakers and targets for uh, our boy Herbert. Um... You know, he can he can take a pounding. You don't want to see him continue to do that. But um, did you? OK, well, it's Valentine's, it's Valentine's Day. Day. If he Day. is good for him. Um, yes, I don't like to see him having to play with broken ribs, but he needs targets down the field. He needs guys to make plays for him. Uh, to force safeties and linebackers to not be coming. And that will help open up a little bit of a running game. Give me a big playmaking pass catcher. Uh, let's go to Chicago, where the president is Kevin Warren, former commissioner of the Big Ten. He went to the NFL now, and he's been the president of the Chicago Bears for about a year. Uh, he did an interview about the Bears draft, and he had this to say about potential trade. We're, we're in a very, very unique space and time in the Bears. I mean, you think the draft that Ryan made um, you know, last year to get D.J. Moore and then and turn that pick into a drafting Darnell Wright and then Stevenson and to get you know those young guys a chance to, to play and then trade for Montez you know sweat and then not only trade for him but then extend him um, and so if we can replicate you know back-to-back -back years uh, to really be smart about how we handle our draft capital this year uh, it could be a really special time for you know for the Chicago Bears people in Chicago hearing this and kind of going uh you trading or 
Zigger Zag, the Bears should trade the pick if they're offered three firsts and stuff. Because I don't know if that'll get to four. Three and maybe a, a second and two thirds or whatever it is. If it gets to three or more, Bears should look to trade down. I will slightly zig. Yes, depends on what the stuff is. Let's just assume it's a couple other draft picks. Uh, no, if it's if it's three, I I I need to plug a hole with a proven player. You I think, want a proven player? Okay. Yeah, it's right. it, wherever you got to plug a hole. Um, but yeah, if it gets up high enough, yeah. I'm going to deal it. But you hold out until the very last minute. I think that thing only gets more and more valuable after combines, after after pro days, especially if st- if things come in that uh, Drake May and Jaden Daniels that all of a sudden question marks about certain aspects of them come up. That only drives the price up for the number one pick. The Patriots are on the clock at number three, starting over the new coach, and many mocks have them going quarterback including the newest one of Jaden Daniels landing in Boston. Swag, zigger zag, Jaden Daniels is a franchise quarterback worth taking. Lewis Riddick is loving himself some Jaden Daniels. That is so hard to say. I have no feel. I did not watch a lot of LSU games. Can I tell you a secret? Uh, yeah. NFL personnel people don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. It is it is hard to say. None of these guys know what they're doing with this. Yeah. As as smart in the sport as they are, I they think, don't even know. I what think they're the doing. combine and pro days are most important for him. Really, over the game tape, throwing in shorts on the run like Zach Wilson versus I watched this guy play. Who did they? The Alabama I think this, game. I, I think before he two got concussed. things. Uh, you know the the difficulty that Bryce Young had and how small he looked against other NFL sized people. There are questions about Daniel's uh, overall size and ability to hold up. Um, I, I, I think he's the most intriguing of the quarterback prospects mm. because athletically he's ridiculously gifted. Yep. Um, LSU did not perform well against top flight competition. They blew out uh, the cupcakes on their schedule. Was that an offense or defense? It was problem. more of a defense thing. Because him and Malik Neighbors were best friends last year. Yes. So. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna zag. I don't think he's. Okay. I don't think he's. I'm not convinced he's a franchise guy just yet. The 49ers lost another Super Bowl to the Chiefs, and Kyle Shanahan said this at his press conference yesterday when asked about the media's perception that he can't win the big one. I mean, you'd love to fix perception because I would love to win one for what I know about football and stuff. And I know if I fix perception, that means I did everything I wanted to do, which isn't fixed perception. It's win a damn Super Bowl. Um, but I also know, like, when you say big games, like, we've got to win a bunch of big games to get to Super Bowls. Um, we've won a lot of big games here. Um, we've won a lot of big games to get into playoffs. Um, the fact that we keep getting there shows you guys how many, how much we've been game, win games or big games, and I think you guys are aware of that. Um, but it's, you know, these two Super Bowls, have been tough losing to Kansas City. Um, but to think that if if we win that, that means I can win a big game. No, that means our team won the Super Bowl. Um, that's, what, that's what I understand. You guys can have any narrative you want, but like the success or the failure, uh, it comes down to one game. And I hope that I can be a part of a team that wins a game at the end of the year. But to say that the Niners can't win a big game would be an extremely inaccurate statement. I tend to agree with the overall philosophy. They have won big games, but the biggest of game has escaped him. Swag, zigger zag. 
Shanahan will eventually break through and change the media perception, which to him means hoisting a Lombardi. I'll zig. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think they will get it done at some point. Because history's not on their side here. This is where teams start to kind of fall off. And I, But people said that about the last one, and they've done a pretty good job right steadying the ship. I think right now the landscape in the NFC, and it doesn't take long for it to change. It's not, but. Yeah. Packers I think they are have looming. An, I think they have an easier path to get back to the Super Bowl here in the next couple of years in the NFC than the Chiefs do in the A. I think the Chiefs Man, have more. you keep saying that, but. I, I think they have more. I'm not saying they won't do it. No, I'm just saying the path is tougher in the AFC for them right now than it is for the Niners in the NFC. Where I just slightly disagree on that, Packers young, Lions damn near had it, hungry, right? I don't think the Rams I'm are going anywhere. I'm talking two to three years. Seahawks new coach is a defensive guru. Like the landscape in the NFC I think is interesting, whereas like at least the Chiefs, for as hard as that might be, they have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's going to be a cheat code for them in a lot of ways. Uh, last one, Patrick Mahomes wins another title. They have three and six seasons, three and five uh, with him as quarterback. Swag with Kelsey Reed coming back and their defense mostly secured. We'll see about Chris Jones. Zig or zag, the Chiefs will three-peat. It's basically a Chiefs of the field. Yeah. I'm going to zig. I really? think so. I'm I surprised think that- you didn't zag in the NFL. I, it, it's going to be hard, but we've seen hmm. that, you know, the 17-game regular season gives you a little bit more wiggle room to work your way in. We know there's Super Bowl hangovers. These guys are going to party like rock stars for a while. Um, but their their division, now if they were in like the AFC North, Look out. You've got to be ready to go when the division games oh, yeah. start. Yep. Uh, but the Raiders are still trying to figure out what they're doing. Uh, how much does Harbaugh have to tear down before he starts building it back up? Yeah, what's the timeline on that build? Um, and who knows what the Broncos are doing? I don't have a read on the Broncos of all the teams in that division. Even the Raiders, as questionable as Pierce might be as a head coach for a full year, I don't know. Like, are they going to get rid of Russ, or are they going to bring that back Do as a backup? Do you see Kansas City I, going less than 5-1 and one in their division? Oh, I mean, I don't know how you don't take Kansas City win the division next year now. Okay, so, yeah. I, yeah. We'll see what Har- – Harbaugh with Herbert year one, even with the slight rebuild. I'm still real interested, and Denver, I don't know. But I think and, they, uh, well, I think they won't have proven. to go on the road for two games next year. They might have to go on the road for the title game. They did I, that this year. But they they, went then Buffalo. they went to Buffalo. They, yeah, they, went they to had Buffalo two road games. I'm saying I don't think they'll have to play two road games in the playoffs. Why do you think they won their division? They still had to do that. Why do you think? I that? think they'll. I think their record, regular season record, will be better. Oh, you think they'll be better next year? Okay. Uh, yeah. All so. Right. And I think the, yeah, I don't think, I don't think the Bills will be. I don't think the AFC champions' record will be better than their record as an AFC West champion. Okay, there we go. NFL zigger zag every Wednesday. Normally at six forty-five, but today we had a ticker at six thirty, so we pushed it back a little bit. Uh, it is seven forty-seven. Dirt and Sprague back with more on the fan. All right, welcome back in. We'll get into some NBA stuff coming up. Uh, I wanted to get to this, so there's a vote for the. College football playoff, the 5-plus-7 model. 
Washington State, Oregon State obviously want they prefer that because they want to continue to have a seat at the table. I think they should have one. Uh, Adam Rittenberg earlier said that he thinks that's the model they're going to vote and approve on. There's also a piece from Ross Dellinger about college football playoffs future and our beloved NCAA tournament. Swag, I thought this was interesting from Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the Big 12, who continues to go, we're the basketball power here. March is around the corner. We're all going to gear up, get ready, and act like we watched any of those teams play and tell you how smart we are because we picked this team to upset that team, yada, yada, yada. Yormark said this in the Ross Dellinger piece on Yahoo, quote, I want to see the best teams competing for a national championship, no different than the Big Ten and SEC want to see in football. I'm not sure that is currently happening, end quote. He wants to expand the NCAA tournament from where it is now at 68 teams. Do you buy his we're not seeing the best teams compete? I'd love to hear the logic of how is that a deal. How is the Big 12 not getting their best teams in the tournament? Why do Are we expanding this thing? Um, maybe if you you'd have to cut back on the regular season at that point. I don't know what, I mean, you're playing 31 games. So unless you change the, I don't know why he thinks the best teams aren't, I mean, who after, who after team 12, 15, 16 really has a legitimate shot at winning the whole thing? Well, according to your mark, a lot. They need to re-examine this. Uh, they they are looking at expanding the field of the tournament. I didn't like when they went to 68 to do these dumb play-in games that you somehow like get to, but you can't count as attorney season. I or you can. I don't. I don't even know how you quantify that. But I think it's already too much, and they want to go further because your mark thinks the Big 12 should get 90 percent of their conference in. No, I, I, I think if you can't win, I, I would like to go to a model where you have to be 500 or better in your conference to get in. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. To even be considered. I, I think there's too many good teams from mid-major conferences that get left out. Um, so if you expand it, I if you expand, I don't want to see the 10th and 11th teams from the Big 12 get in. Really? No. How dare you? Are you not watching the 10th and 11th teams in the Big 12? They're powerhouses. No, they're not. No, th- those are teams that can win the national title. Don't you know? Brett Yormark said so. Stop it. Go away. What number is it going to get to eventually? Is it going to get to a dumb number? I don't know. Is it going to get to the that's 90s? More, well, that's more about, that's really more about the TV partners than anything else because how do you structure it at that point wouldn't it water it down doesn't it i think it would water it down down? significantly i mean you get rid of the first four so basically what you would do and if they went to what's the next number it's like 96 or something like that it's been a number so your top eight seeds in each each region get a buy so you would um you'd add eight more teams so there'd be 2014 brackets in each region Uh, And so you would have eight playing nine. So it'd be that. So you would basically your first and second round sites would now start on Tuesday. You'd have three games over the course of a week. I mean, I can totally see it from a fan standpoint where we're talking about this out loud and you just say it starts on Tuesday. And I'm thinking in my head, 
I'm already not going to work Thursday, Friday. So you're basically yeah. going to you're going to lean me into a full week off of work. I might be in on that. Uh, I don't know if that makes the product better, but I can certainly no, see. No, it's the... more about how much more money can they extract from you know CBS if they and Turner if they stay on as the tournament partners. I know it's it's all about capitalism, yay money. I just I at what point do leaders say the product's good enough? I don't know. Versus making it worse by yeah. having the eleventh team in a conference make it. With a sub five hundred conference. Well, this record. is the issue that we had that that I wonder about moving forward, which is at, at what point does you know how viable is a twenty team conference? Like, how does that in football feels dumb? You're never going to play most. You can't of those play everybody. Teams. So in the other much. ones, okay, you play everybody once. Yeah, I don't want to see it be unbalanced. I think that's well, it already is unbalanced. We're already in it. But if an you get to the point, world. so if you have 18 to 20 teams in some big superpower conference, okay, play everybody once and you alternate home and road every year. I think that, I think the conferences will back off because I think Duke and Carolina, there's like, no, we want to play each other twice every season. That's, you know, for history sake and all that sort of stuff. Um, rivalries feel like they get preserved more than the others. True. Like North Carolina Duke is a kind of a mandate yeah. for the ACC versus like North Carolina playing fill in the blank team. Not as not as vital this year as yeah. having them. Oh, they'll have. Them I next don't. Year. I don't know if you're what more you're going to get. I don't. No. I, I think this is an awful idea. I don't want to see the 13th and 14th and 15th teams from the Big Ten in the tournament. I, if you yeah. can't finish 500 or better in your conference, you 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 know what you do. Stop it. Go away. It's kind of the expansion, like 16 teams in college football swag. In a way, you're kind of doing this to basketball. If you were to expand it, you you make it. I would argue it already is, but you're making the regular season of college basketball kind of irrelevant. At that point, who cares? Yeah. Like, oh, they finished tenth, so they'll get in the tournament. They're in the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve is a powerhouse. There has to be. There has to be. Yeah, you you play your conference regular season schedule for a reason. See, that's. I would rather see third and fourth place teams from high mid major conferences have a crack at it. I think that would be more entertaining. You'd rather have the Cinderella stories have more of a chance. Yeah. I don't know if they'll go for that. But, but that, I don't think that they would do that because the way the net rating is and no. all the power rankings and all that crap, it just, yeah, it's loaded for those conferences. Those your mark feelings are about excluding more mid-majors than they are including It's about them. guaranteeing revenue for your conference, and it's not about competition. And that's that was kind of my question. And if he's saying it's about competition, he's full of crap. Well, he's a commissioner for a conference. Of course he's full of crap, but that was kind of my point to Rittenberg is, yeah, it's growing. They're getting more viewers, but is the expansion and everything that's happening, does that make it good for the sport? I think in the same way, you could be asking this as well. Uh, side note, by the way, Klievkov finally getting canned. They had to get through their legal battles, but they're finally firing that dude. I mean, no surprise, but... Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, there's really no point in having... Let a, me ask you this. A commissioner, it's pretty much... No, it's Kirk Schultz. Is, yeah, and Barnes. And or uh, who's ever running Oregon State. But no, I, I, I think I, it's Chun and Barnes that are running it. And then I disagree with you. I think Washington State, Oregon State's just falling around like a puppy and they're just doing what they want to do. Um, let me ask you this. Would you would you take the buyout Klievkov's gonna get, but you have to have the reputation of George Klievkov in the history books of college football? 
Yeah, because I think I've done enough other things in other venues where I was like, yeah, I tried it, and I think he can spin it off as, you know, things were conspired against me. Yeah, but I, you're not telling everybody that has the opinion on you that. You're no, walking around Well, going, the question the is, does he want to get back into the sports world, or does he go back into some more other general entertainment? If he's just going back into entertainment mm-hmm. or something like that, I don't think it's that big a deal. If he wants to stay in the world of sports, then it's a bigger issue. Uh, loaded final hour of the show. We've got Statter Story at 815. We kick it off. Is this guy going to come back to haunt the rest of us and how the landscape of it is sitting right now? Hour number three, Dirt and Sprague on the fan. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. How do you enjoy prosperity? Well, you do all the stuff that got you there in the first place. This is Dirt and Sprague. All the little things, you know. It's not <clears throat> some deal where you, you know, you all get in trouble for this, I'm certain. But Andy Dirt Johnson. Where, where, you know, instead of playing hard and getting a first down and getting a play, then, you know, you want to <clears throat> sit behind a... a a shade tree, eat a fish sandwich, and uh, drink a lemonade with your fat little girlfriend. And Brendan Sprague. Uh, <coughs> I'm working on this trademark cough. What do you think? Um, it's getting better, too. Um, well, then <coughs> we marched it downfield. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Final hour. Dirt and Sprague here on Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan. The Odyssey app. YouTube.com slash 1080 The Fan is where you can find the radio station on the interwebs. Uh, Thank you for hanging out with us on this Valentine's Hump Day. How appropriate. A Hump Day Valentine's Day. Hope everybody's getting their hump on today at any one point. Making sweet, sweet, passionate love with their significant other. Um, We'll get into Statter Story coming up in a few minutes. I want to get some NBA stuff here in just a second. I just also want to give a reminder about our Fan Winter Golf Classic. We're trying something new this year. We usually do the Fan Summer Golf Classic in the summer, and we've been doing that now. This could be year 10. It's crazy how that's flown by. Uh, but this year we're trying the Winter Fan Golf Classic out at X-Golf Tualatin in Vancouver on Tuesday, February 27th. The 4 p.m. round at X-Golf Tualatin is sold out. Uh, you can choose from either the noon round or 4 p.m. round at X-Golf Vancouver. Danny Dusty will be on location. Isaac Atsuk will be on location. The winning threesome will win a free foursome at the Fan Golf Classic this summer. And the last place threesome will receive a free lesson at X-Golf. There will be food for our golfers from Vic, uh, Victor Rico's Pro Catering Urban Restaurant Group. And uh, all golfers will play Pebble Beach on the simulator. Go to 1080thefan.com for more info and to sign your threesome up now. We've said it before, but I'll say it one more time. If you're just kicking around the idea, look, the weather's hit and miss. I get it. I used to play in anything, and now I will not play if it's even like a consistent sprinkle. If you don't like the rain and wetness, 
as Swag's mic's on and decides to type an email. Uh, I'm podcasting. Are you, okay, why is your mic on? <laughs> I, I'm just waiting to jump in. Okay, I, I love you know, that. You know, we, we don't have a regular co-host for I, the next month, so well, I'm, I'm trying to multitask. You know what? God bless you for being here. <laughs> Thank you. My wife keeps going, have you texted to see when he's coming back? I'm like, no, I'm not going to reach out to him, actually. I'll make him reach out to me. Uh, but do this. It'll be a lot of fun. Again, multiple rounds to choose from. Come hang out either in Vancouver or Tualatin and uh, have a good time with us at our first Fan Winter Golf Classic, 1080thefan.com. I want to get some NBA dealings here, Swag, and I know we're already against it in the old clock radio business. We got fired up about uh, your mark wanting to... Well, it's like, shut up, dude. Yeah, I know. Go hey, we get it. You are a powerhouse. Your conference is great. Shut up. Nobody wants to see the 11th ranked team or the 11th place team in your conference in. You know who was in it last year, the Final Four? San Diego State, FAU. Yeah. You're basically saying, we kind of want to eliminate those people. Pretty much. And I don't like that. No. Um, I may have spoke too early. I did this to the Chiefs, and I've already apologized to the Chiefs' kingdom for this. I kind of buried the Warriors. And I'm not telling you the Warriors are the best team, nor are they going to get through the Western Conference or even win a championship. I don't know who's noticed this. The Warriors have kind of figured some stuff out. Well, Clay Thompson's starting to knock down shots again. He's also on he's not on the closing lineup and he's okay with it. He understands kind of where he's at. He I think he yeah, had a quote. Kaminga's out there. Kaminga's out there with Draymond who's back and still being a jackass. But Clay had an interesting point swag where he said in free agency, he's certainly not going to get a max deal from anybody. He'd be willing to come back to Golden State, even in a ventral, because he understands where, where he's at in his career. Yeah, he's just he's comfortable. He knows it. Um he knows them. They know him. So I think the biggest issue for the Warriors is uh, their head coach, is Kerr. Why is that the biggest issue? I think his that's... ability to stay there and manage all that's going on for them. Yeah. Is, I mean, he's talked about, I mean, we know he had the back issue a couple of seasons ago where he wasn't yep. there for quite a while. Mike Brown kind of took over. Didn't Luke Walton and Mike Brown have back-to-back years where they did that? They Something like that, yeah. So I think the bigger question for them is if you want to keep it together and add a couple of pieces here and there around them, yes, Clay will. He's more likely to take a lesser role with that group because he'll still be loved and appreciated and all of those things. Uh, and Kerr will figure out how to make all the pieces work. But if he decides he can't do it anymore, is not willing to do it, it's too much for him. I don't know where they I, – I think that'll be what breaks it up sooner than later. It's coaching like that is a really tough thing to replace. Cleveland Cavaliers, a team ESPN will not talk about today because, you know, LeBron almost kind of got traded a little bit. The Cleveland Cavaliers are the two seed now. They have jumped past the Bucks. Yeah, Spider's been on a roll. Dude, they're a game and a half above Milwaukee right now, and I know Milwaukee is – Maybe they're starting to kind of figure this out a little bit, but Cleveland is 9-1 and one in their last 10, and they're fourth in defensive rating. Cleveland, are you by? do we need to put Cleveland in a legitimate contender category? If we're taking Philly out swag yes. because Embiid's gone, I will give New York a little bit of, I'm not counting you completely out here. Boston's looked dominant most of the year. Milwaukee's got Giannis, Dame, Middleton. We'll see if they can continue to figure that out. 
Do you put Cleveland in the contender for the Eastern Conference title category? Cleveland is as much a contender in the Eastern Conference as the Timberwolves and Thunder are in the Western Conference. There's a little bit of, I need to see you prove it in playoff pressure, Yeah, but you certainly have all the pieces and parts that if you can handle the playoff pressure... No reason why you can't go on a run. The weird thing about Cleveland, for those that don't watch any Cleveland basketball, and I'm I'm kind of assuming that's most, and that's oh, that's okay. But they're the two seasons. They haven't been on a lot of TNT games lately. No, we have to have the Lakers Warrior game on every single time. But Cleveland was doing this when Mobley and Garland got hurt, and many were like, "Whoa, okay." And then they came back, and they've continued to do it. Now I. You may think they got to figure that out between Garland and Mitchell. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they got to trade. I would maybe trade Garland. But uh, also, if you're playing like this with them back, this is kind of the step, right? We talk about young teams in the NBA. Oklahoma City is this for me. I, I think Oklahoma City is really good. I was a little shocked they didn't add depth that big, but they got SGA. SGA might be the MVP of the NBA this year. But I don't think that they're going to win the West because, well, young teams have to take their hits, their lumps. They'll go through it. They'll hit a wall at some point, I think. Cleveland did this last year. Mitchell got there. They were kind of this fun story. Hey, look at this, the Twin Towers. And then they played the Knicks. And the Knicks and Mitchell Robinson took their lunch money, bullied them out. Bye-bye. They come back this year, a bit of a slow start. And then they figure it out. I Cleveland might be a team worthy of saying, absolutely in this if, if there's teams in the east you're gonna pick maybe you don't think they're better than boston maybe you don't think they're better than milwaukee but they're definitely worthy of being in the conversation especially if you have the new york knicks and i do i think new york can do it it just some things have to kind of break their way to get there yeah and i think uh i think for cleveland home court advantage will be big for them they should have it in the first round. Can they get into a top? Can they hold that top two position and have it for two rounds? Do you know who, if if, if the play-in stuff stays as is and the 7-8 seeds win the play-in and stay as 7-8 seeds, do you know who they'd face in round one? Who they get? Miami. And I know Miami's looked really weird and not very good. How healthy does Miami get by the playoffs? If That's Jimmy Butler's playing, aren't isn't most of America going to pick Miami to win that yes. just somehow, some way? Yep. That's just so Miami. Uh, which would be really impressive given what they did last year against Milwaukee, even though Giannis uh, did get hurt. New York, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Boston, really the powers. I know Philly just won a big game. Indiana not quite there. I guess we'll see on Miami. Um, And in the West, it's just as big a picture. Phoenix has kind of been surging here. Denver's Denver. The Clippers have figured this out with Harden. The Thunder, Timberwolves at the top of the standings. The Western Conference might be open. I'm still kind of just going to bet on Jokic. But the West is very interesting. Dallas still sitting there as a seven seed. New Orleans, questionable teams that I'm not sure many people are going to put uh, near the top, but definitely have the talent to pull off some of these upsets. So the Western Conference is really interesting. And then in the East, you kind of look and you have four with people just giving Miami respect until Miami, I think, is eliminated. Uh, didn't get to the Shaq note. We'll get to that coming up at the bottom. But Statter Story is next. Dirt and Sprague on the fan.
Crunch the numbers. There's 6,127 students at average, 58% of which are girls. So, so that's 7,107.32 boobs. <laughs> Break the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. Is it a stat or a story? Evidence based on olfactory prowess is inadmissible, in case you didn't know. This is Stat or Story, a monumental judgment call with dirt and Sprague on 1080. Come on, don't miss. The Fan. All right, status story every Wednesday at 8.15. I have a feeling today is going to be a very sexual in nature status story. Uh, not so much. It is a Valentine's Day uh, themed one, but uh, a little bit more history of things on Valentine's ah, Day. Ah, St. Valentine. Uh, your first number, 496. Okay. Is it the number of shots Kevin Love blocked in his NBA career? Or is it the year A.D. that Valentine's Day was first recognized as a holiday? So 496 career blocks for K-Love versus the year Valentine's Day was started. 496 A.D., the first year it became a recognized holiday. For those out there, that's 496 years after the death of one Jesus. Uh, I'm going to say story. No, wait. Story. Final answer. Correct. K-Love did not have a tremendous hops. He blocked 361 shots in his 17-year NBA career. I'm doing a very good job so far since he's been out of picking and thinking, that seems like too many, without saying out loud, that seems yeah. like way too many. You don't have to share all the there there's no there's no partial credit for your work here. No. You either get it right or wrong. Right. Uh he did have five hundred and sixty steals in his career. Mm. He did have good hands, just no hops. Good hands. Uh no, this comes to us uh from uh women women's day. Uh the first declared holiday was by Pope. Gelasius or Galasius? Don't know if that's a soft G yogging, maybe. I don't know. What would know. your best guess be given the time period? Uh, 496 AD, Pope Galasius I made the Feast of St. Valentine an official holiday, hoping to expel the pagan rituals of Lupercalia by combining <laughs> it with St. Valentine's Day. Did you have uh, pegging and lube in there? I mean, what uh, a day. Lupercalia yeah, okay, was a is. Roman festival from yeah. February 13th through 15th where men stripped naked, spanked young maidens in the hopes of wow. increasing their fertility. Wow. Spanking them on the hineys saying, get pregnant, ladies. Yes. Okay. That was That's uh, one way to do it, uh, I yeah. guess. So the Romans there... I just think of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Long Came Polly <laughs> eating pizza, stealing the grease, going, you got to spank the hiney. <laughs> uh, there you go. Our next number is 35. 35. Is it the number of career touchdown passes for Packers quarterback Jordan Love? 35 in the career. NFL. Career in the NFL. touchdown yes. passes? Okay. Yes. Or was it the age of Alexander Graham Bell when he applied for his patent on the telephone on Valentine's Day, 1876? You know, my college major was in um, uh, arts, Bachelor of Arts, with new with a new media communications, and I actually had to take classes on the creation of media, and this is one of them. I'm going to have a very disappointed professor 
if I get this wrong, I, I'm going to say this is also, I'm trying to think. I forgot what Love had this year, but he had a couple stints where he filled in and spot. Uh, story. Uh, yeah, as soon as I said it, felt wrong. Uh, so in 2021, he threw two tutties. Yeah. 2022 won this season 32. So 35 uh, career tutties. I was trying to remember the Chief game he filled in for yes. a couple years ago. And damn it. Uh, no, Valentine's Day, 1876. 29-year-old Alexander yeah. Graham Bell applied for his telephone patent entitled, quote, Improvement in te- Telegraphy. Telec- I don't know. Uh, that same day, inventor Alicia Gray applied for a patent caveat for a similar invention for the same office. Uh, Bell ended up getting his approval less than a month later. Ah, okay. Telegraphy? I, that I, doesn't sound right. I think it's the other way. Telegraphy. Telegraphy. Telegraphy sounds right. Okay. I knew he was a young whiz guy, but yeah. I couldn't remember his age. I, I, lear- I had to learn about this in college. <laughs> Damn it! I got an A in this class, I by avoided the, way. the history building at all. Well, it was the media thing. I did Bachelor of uh, Arts, so I wasn't taking math and science classes as much as Bachelor of Science, so I, it w- I had these kind of classes. Alright. Damn Your it! final number 157. Hmm. Is it the number of three-point shots attempted by Darnell Valentine, Blazer legend, during his NBA career? Okay. Or is it the population of Valentine, Texas, named for St. Valentine? 157 people? Yes. (sighs) That according to the last census they did. What years did he play for the Blazers? Darnell Valentine played from 1981 until 1991. He was in Portland uh, 81. He was traded in 85-86 to the Raptors and then went to the Clippers and finished up with the Cavs. Valentine, Texas. Ah, I feel like you're going to tell me it's like 230. I'm still going to go story for, and I'll tell you why. Darnell Valentine, in a 10-year NBA career, was 41 for 157, shooting threes. I would have guessed, and why I went with Story is I was thinking, that's too many threes. They didn't like shooting threes. He did not make a three, make one, until until his fifth season in the NBA. that makes it even worse. He was 0 for 15 in his first four years in the NBA. Then he was 4 of 14 in his fifth year. Let me fire these bad boys off. His best year was his uh, last year with the Clippers, 87-88. He was 15 of 33 from deep, 45%. Didn't his kid play in the league for a while there? Uh, maybe. The Valentine kid from uh, Michigan State? Was that his son? I I know who you're talking about, but I thought that Valentine was like a power forward. Darnell was 6'2". He was most noted. Well, his at, kid can't be big? Well, he can, but I Darnell was known as having the biggest thighs of anybody in the NBA. Uh, this says... I'm not seeing one. Yeah, I'm not seeing one. Denzel Valentine. Denzel Valentine, yes. 
me see if I can find his dad. Uh, meanwhile, yes, uh, Valentine, Texas, gets his name from the popular state. 108 people populating Valentine, Texas, according to the 2021. Just a wi- just a daughter, wife and daughter. Yeah, for Darnell. Okay. We love Darnell. Darnell was one of the favorites here. Seems like a good dude. He's a great dude. Um, what's the smallest town you've ever been in? Like, actually stayed in, been yeah. in for a time, not driven through? Yes. Um, uh, what is that? Uh, I think it's the town is, it's Athena, Oregon. I think it's east of Pendleton. Oh, like one of, okay. So my parents, uh, my mom loves horses. She rode horses growing up. Married your dad. And so, easy. <laughs> and so uh, she knew a family from college that owned a ranch out in Eastern, or- in, uh, Eastern Oregon. Yeah. And so it was the Bar M Dude Ranch. Ah. And so it was a tourist thing. Out there on the Umatilla River and there. And there's a little tiny, the closest little town is, Athena, I think it's Athena, Oregon. What's that population right uh, now? It ain't much. I don't know if they had a stoplight back in the day. Right now it's at 1,211. What year do you think you went there roughly? Uh, we were there. Last year I went was probably like 1986 or 87. Yeah, sub a thousand people lived yeah. in that town. Uh, I, I, mine is Frederick, Oklahoma, like staying in an actual small town. Uh, it was still segregated, by the way, when I went there in 1996. Oh, that must have been fun. Yeah, it was. It was really fun. Um, they had like 2,000 people or something in there. It was tiny. And it, it I, I know that number doesn't sound like a small amount per se to what the conversation yeah. is, but when you're there, you just, you don't, it, it doesn't feel like that many people. That no. number sounds bigger than what it was. Yes. Uh, all right, there we go. Status story. Look at that. Valentine's Day edition. Uh, hey, recognizing an all-time great yesterday. How about that? Next on The Fan. Uh, good news for Timbers fans. It sounds like they're releasing a new kit on Oregon Statehood Day. I'm seeing this on the Twitters. Uh, yeah, that is today. Oregon Statehood is Valentine's Day. How about that? Yeah. You learn something new every day. Didn't learn that in like third grade head third grade that was like part of that was a big deal like valentine's day was yeah Oregon, you, oregon's birthday yeah i i mean i i agree with you I I prob- say 1859 is that sound right you should know he taught us in third grade i you were the one on the old prairie you would know the day that it all started okay. where'd you shop where did you say earlier you shopped the fur, the out of Fort Vancouver, where they were trading fur out there. No, I think your area was the Prairie Market. Oh, the Prairie it's, Market, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be careful yes. of those squirrels. They came running up, stealing all the groceries. <laughs> um, I'm gonna bump what I was gonna get to. I, I, I was right, 1859. I don't think he said 59. Yeah, I did. Um, I think he said eight. I said 1859. Hey, I know you're getting we'll old. Tape. The memories... You want check tape? Hey, Joe Biden. <laughs> careful with the memory there. Um. I'll get to the legend in a minute. I want to bring up something from the Blazers. I brought them up. Watching Ann Edwards score 41, you get an opportunity to do it again. What, do they play tomorrow, right? They play yeah, tomorrow. same two teams tomorrow. That's their last game before the All-Star game, right? Or the All-Star break, isn't it? Uh, no, they got games. The all 
All-Star Weekend's... N- no, sound, it is this weekend. You yes. sound very not confident. I'm just You were so in my face about knowing statehood, and you kind of crumbled after that. Yeah. Um, no, the All-Star Game is this Sunday. That's right. Right here on The Fan, following... How about this? The Daytona 500. We'll have that for you here on The Fan, too. How was that on radio? I'll have to tune into that. I'm kind of curious. Yeah. You just hear about a... All right, he's moving up. He's back now. <laughs> Pet stop. Yes, I'll be building a format and breaks and while well, I'm sitting in the airports here this week. Play-by-play play on Daytona 500. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, the Blazers play last night. Ann Edwards comes to town, drops 41 on their head. Yes, he pretty much did whatever he wanted. He did. He's. I mean, he's. yeah, he's been that this year, which is why they're so good. He's a big part of that. And Chance talked about, you know, how much he loves Ann Edwards and how he's kind of underrated on the defensive end. Our good friend Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report, uh, he wrote, Trailblazers rebuild hinges on finding their Anthony Edwards. And I know the Blazers are one of many teams that are seeking out an Anthony Edwards. And I I can already hear it. Oh, yeah, it's so easy to go find an Ann Edwards. But I think he highlights something interesting. Do we have an Ann Edwards here? Is Scoot capable? I don't think Ant is. Our aunt, I don't think he's no, consistent No, I don't think enough. Ant is. DA's been really good as of late. I don't think he's that. I don't know about Scoot yet. I just, I don't know. Shaden played 30 damn games. You can't even evaluate what the season was for him. I, I don't know what you do there. You know, Hyken kind of saying they don't have it. That's not on the roster. This draft sucks by almost every draft. I want to get a draft person on because this is a year we're going to have a good pick. And it just so happens to be a bad draft. So I want to... Get like a Jeremy Wu, a good friend of the show of ESPN on at some point to talk about it. But if you can't find it this year, like, when are you finding it? And I think this has kind of been my point on rebuilding. Rebuilding might have been very necessary. But, yeah, you might not be as bad as the Sixers. You could be the Kings. And, like, you don't find the Ann Edwards. That's what leaves you never in that position. And watching him operate, I remember when he came out in the draft, you know, people were kind of asking out loud, is it Wiseman? Is it LaMelo? Is it Ann Edwards at Georgia? You know, Georgia didn't win a national championship. And, you know, his measurements are off the wall. His height, his athleticism, it's insane. He's a next-level generational-type athlete. I found it interesting to read Sean Hyken, as I do every time he posts an article. Do they do they have it, or are you still looking? Because it doesn't feel like you're going to find it in this draft. You've already gone three years of sucking and tanking. And so, like, now are you, okay, now are we teasing 2025? Are we playing, as one person noted on Twitter, and I want to give them their credit, are we capturing the flag in 2025? Is that the game we're going to play? It seems like we are, but you might not capture the flag. And if you don't capture the flag with two Gs, who is it? When is it? It's a very valid thing for Hiking to write about after last night because you watch this generational guy that landed in Minnesota. Yeah. Can or you find that? Shea Gilgis Alexander with OKC. Yeah, do you make a big Those all Those two in teams trade? are at the top of the Western Conference, and they are among the youngest teams in. And the only thing that's really holding uh, Minnesota back is Rudy Gobert. Um, well, not so far. Conley. Not Go- in the well, regular no, I mean, season. in terms of age, like oh, Gobert yeah, and yeah. Conley. But otherwise, the, the, the rest of the bulk of the guys that play the, the heavy minutes for Minnesota all as young as what the trailblazers are throwing out there. 
So, yeah, are you going to get passed by and never get your guy? It's it's scary for that, Blazer fans. See, it really is well, scary. Yeah, it is. And I'm not I don't I'm not trying to do like the same conversation of you should have kept the guy. Like I get. It. I totally get the roster building decision here. I just I think that's the element of all of this that's it's just such a wild card. Cronin and Schmitz and company and Chauncey, they can have this grandiose grand plan, like how to build it, who to bring in. I've been very happy. I jokingly asked it to Richmond yesterday, but I really meant it. I kind of think your biggest positive of the year is going to be walking away saying Jabari. And and that's great, but also not good for obvious no, reasons. Or Duop Reith. Or, yeah, maybe Duop Reith. Or, you know what, to be fair, with the amount of games they have, maybe you walk away going, Scoot kind of figured it out at the end. That's also a great thing. And I like Scoot. But th- this, when you talk about building and building it right, that's the piece you have to hit to build it right. You mentioned Oklahoma City and SGA. Oklahoma City, you know, they're they're about middle of the road defensively. According to Cleaning Glass, they're 13th in defensive ranking. Offensively, you know, we've seen what SGA can be. Right now, they are fifth in Cleaning the Glass offensive rating and ranking. Yeah, they need I, help on the glass. They're, that's where their one deficiency is, is boarding. I, I just, for such a wild card, as planned out as you can be, it's sometimes just dumb luck. And, oh, by yeah. the way, if they're going to plan eventually. And it's a draft lottery, so even if you totally yes. tanked and you were one or two, there's no guarantee you're you, getting that pick. You're really one of three that are going to be in the running for that one pick to capture the flag. But the other part I was going to hit on, because you mentioned SGA, how did he get to Oklahoma City? It wasn't in the draft. It was via trade. And they got him via trade, Indiana. Indiana found Tyrese Halliburton because Sacramento said there's a log jam here. Fox and Halliburton can't work. We got to make a move. And they trade Halliburton to Indiana. Indi- Halliburton takes a monster step this year. I know it doesn't matter to most, but gets to a final of an in-season tournament. And then they go get Siakam. And here we go. Here is the roster building. Now Indiana, who is sitting in a playoff picture, now they've got to take that next step. Portland's got some of those pieces to start making those moves and acquiring those assets the big one is the obvious one. If you're choosing Scoot over Ant, and I would kind of venture to say they will, what do you get in the Ant trade? Because Jeremy, Malk, good pieces, but they're very veteran. Ant's a, he's still young. He's 24 now, and he's one of the you know high-level bucket getters. What's the team desperate enough like the Clippers were to give you the SGA or the Halliburton? Because you might not find it in the draft. And that's the part of roster building that I find fascinating here in Portland is what they will decide to do and who they will decide to part with. Because to Sean Hyken's point, you got to go get your Ann Edwards. Appreciating a legend. Next on The Fan. Hey, uh, one story we haven't talked a lot about, but tomorrow we will. Uh, it's been a fun story locally for Oregon State women's basketball. They've got two big matchups this week with UCLA and USC coming to town. Reagan Beers, the Pac-12 freshman of the year and sixth player of the year in the conference a year ago, is going to be on with us. And uh, we'll talk about their games that are upcoming this weekend. Uh, I've seen some of her stuff in the interview, so I wanted to talk to her, see how she's viewing the season so far, because it's been a nice year for Scott Ruick and company. Uh, they have had a great year, uh, some big wins. Uh, the Pac-12 in its final season, uh, I think they have six teams ranked in the AP Top 25. 
Yeah. And, and several somehow, up in the top 10. And they're somehow Stanford, still not a top USC, 10 team. UCLA, Colorado. Yeah. Um, but, and Oregon State's working their way up. Yeah, but they continue to be top 10, top 5, top 25 teams and then not get into the top 10. Really weird thing there. I want to deliver this quickly. Me and Buck have been arguing on text. Not arguing, but talking on text. Okay. He and everybody and their mom seems to just be hung up on the overtime thing with the Niners. I want to read this stat. This is why I don't think this is as big a deal as we're trying to stretch this out to be. Since 2001, this is from Neil Payne, former sports editor of, of 538. Really smart, analytically driven dude. Since 2001, there have been 125 drives in the NFL postseason whereas it, where it was at least the fourth quarter... There was under a minute left to play, and the team on offense trailed by seven points or fewer at the start. These are your standard clutch moments for football teams, the do-or-die drives that win or lose critical games. Out of those 125 drives, Swag, are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. Only 40% of them saw the team on offense pull off the magic trick and get the points they needed. Some quarterbacks that are pretty good at it, Tom Brady, he went 5 for 11 in this, 46%. Drew Brees went 3 for 6, 50%. So both above the league average. Only Patrick Mahomes is 7 for 7 perfect in those situations. And that is why I am not arguing about this stuff. It's Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you want to win? Have a slightly better defense. There you go. That's your best bet. Uh, Shaq was honored last night in Orlando. Yeah. You know, I know uh, I know. Shaq had a nice run. They got to the finals there. Not as long as I think people in Orlando thought it would be. Uh, do we give Shaq enough flowers for the career? I don't know because I don't... I don't get he's a any- tough player to gauge in the all-time. The most yeah. dominant player I've ever seen, but he somehow gets his legacy uh, slighted a little bit because I guess people see the size and the athleticism and say, you should have won more than four. So we kind of knock him for not winning yeah, enough. Yeah, I think he gets blamed for the fallout with him and Kobe more than Kobe. Really? I thought that was a pretty even split of hating each other. <laughs> Kobe was an ass. Uh, he was a hard person to to work with. Listen to Smush Parker talk yeah. about Kobe Bryant, and it'll make you rethink some things. Uh, I think there were others that thought maybe I, they know he had foot injuries being that big. How could you not? But maybe he didn't take his own personal health health yeah, serious okay. enough to keep himself healthier to have more cracks at it. I One, don't know. Said he wanted to be known as most dominant and a nice guy. And I will you say. You certainly didn't want to have to play him in a game that yeah. was for everything. That's for sure. Uh, one of few players, maybe the only, I have to look it up, to have three jerseys retired by three different franchises. That's going to do it for us. Bill Conley at 630, Rittenberg at 7. If you missed those interviews, catch them at 1080thefan.com. And we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Swag, enjoy the last road trip. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow bright and early, 6 to 9 a.m. Dirt and Sprague on Portland Sports Leader, 1080 The Van. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 